the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus spoke to the crowd, saying, To what will I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. There are three rather different sayings of Jesus in today's gospel reading, three rather different sayings, and I want to reflect with, with you on them in the order in which we heard them today. The first is generated by the question, to what will I compare this generation, asks Jesus. And he's reflecting on the simple fact that the overwhelming majority of people in Galilee rejected the message proclaimed by him and by John the Baptist. So he answers his own question, to what shall I compare, with this strange little parable, comparing the comparing the ability of this generation to discern God's call with a group of children playing a game in the village square. And these kids expect God's messengers, 
these people expect God's messengers to play the game by their rules, by their understanding of how God and how God's messengers should behave. We want a domesticated God. We want domesticated messengers of God. When John and Jesus show that they cannot be domesticated, when they enact the message of God's kingdom, God's reign, in extreme ways that point to the urgency of the message, people think they're nuts, and they write them off. And just so, people confuse their own settled knowledge about how things are all supposed to fit together, they confuse that knowledge with real, actual discernment. To what will we compare this generation? Our generation. And let's be generous, shall we, in defining our terms. Let's think of this generation as everybody alive today in the good old U.S. of A, especially those over the age of 21. Okay? You buy into that? Earlier this week, I listened to a podcast called Bird Note, which is actually quite good. The podcast featured an interview with Bill McKibben. Now, in case you don't know about Bill McKibben, simply put, he's an environmental activist. And in the course of the interview, he said something that smacked me right in the face. He said that the scientific community estimates that about 70% of wild animal populations on this planet have disappeared since 1970. 70% of wild animal populations have disappeared since 1970. I was alive in 1970. I, I was dating girls in 1970. And I think most of you in the room were alive in 1970. The fact that the world has become so much more lonely so fast is just plain spooky. And we should be scared. The world is getting lonelier. Humans are at risk from precisely the same forces that have killed off so many other creatures since 1970. Don't kid yourselves. Our habitat is shrinking. Think about Somalia. This is the fifth straight rainy season in Somalia with almost no rain. 
This is because the waters of the Indian Ocean are warming rapidly. The waters of the Indian Ocean are experiencing an ongoing heat wave in the waters it's themselves. And that has changed weather patterns all through East Africa. Here's an inconvenient truth. The average Somali emits one five hundredth as much carbon as the average American in the course of one year. When messengers like Bill McKibben and Greta Thunberg raise their voices to alert us to what's going on, to summon us all to the urgency, to recognize the urgency of the moment we're living in, they're dismissed as extremists by many Americans. And I think what's worse, they're ignored by most Americans and maybe even a lot of us. The people of Jesus' own generation confused knowledge of the rules of religious behavior with wisdom. It's different for our generation. I think we have confused technological knowledge with wisdom. We have come to trust technology to secure our lives, to provide us with comfort, Hey, where's the air conditioner? To provide us with help and convenience. And just so, I fear that at a societal level, we have come to believe that trusting the power of technology is all the wisdom we need. The Old Testament book of Proverbs originated in a theological, philosophical movement dedicated to the pursuit of wisdom. And this movement, which produced a lot of poetry, understood wisdom to be very, very practical, very, very down-to-earth. For them, wisdom emerged among people wherever people had figured out how to live more and more in harmony within God's creation on a daily basis. And we hear that, and we've heard that a zillion times, and so we shrug. <laughs> but think about it in our circumstances today. For them, wisdom was all about discovering how to live in harmony within all of God's creation from day to day. For them, that was the wisdom that leads to shalom. I kind of think that in our wisdom, we have come to use technology, and especially technological capitalism, to dominate the rest of God's creation for the benefit of our own species. The consequences are pretty scary.
I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Hmm. Jesus discerns the divine plan in the way God has hidden these things, concealing them precisely from the people who believe that they are the sharpest pencils in the box. What are these things? Hmm. Well, tough to pin down, but I would suggest the hidden power of God's reign turned loose through the gentle, humble way of Jesus. The path that leads us through his cross and not around it. The path that yokes us to Jesus by means of the cross. What is hidden has also been revealed. But mysteriously and paradoxically, to those whom Jesus calls infants, to the poor and gentle, to tax collector and sinner, to those lacking the blinders of expertise and power, to those who are humble enough to look to Jesus for wisdom. All right. You ready for a detour? We got to take a detour. Look in your bulletin, and you will find this half sheet of paper. I love to give you gifts, and this is the present I am giving you today. Jesus' forebears came to personify wisdom more and more in their poetry. Now, because both the Hebrew and Greek words for wisdom happen to be feminine grammatical gender, wisdom was personified as a woman. She was personified as a woman calling to everyone, but especially to the simple. The book of Sirach is one of these books of poetry, and it was composed about 200 years before Jesus was born. And look at the top of the, the page. This is how the book ends, 51 chapters long, and this is how it ends. Lady Wisdom says, Draw near to me, you who are uneducated, and lodge in the house of instruction. Why do you say you are lacking in these things? And why do you endure such great thirst? I opened my mouth and said, Acquire wisdom for yourselves without money. Put your neck under her yoke and let your souls receive instruction. It is to be found close by. The move Jesus makes, the move presented to us by Matthew in these next verses, the move is stunning 
It is bold. It is revolutionary. Jesus presents himself to us, not as one who speaks for wisdom, but as God's wisdom made flesh, as God's wisdom incarnate, the wisdom by means of which all things were created and are sustained, says to us, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? Because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. In our personal lives, we often feel so weary, so burdened by financial stress, by illness, by fractured relationships and dashed hopes. God's wisdom made flesh says to all those of us who are willing to acknowledge our weariness, come to me. Come to me and yoke your lives and your hopes to me. Collectively, as a species, we are only beginning to become aware of how wearied and burdened by the whirlwind of destruction generated by trusting technology as our God, we are. As we trust Jesus to be our wisdom, as we dare to invite others to join us in trusting Jesus as God's own wisdom, our guide toward living in harmony with all creation. Perhaps we will learn his humility again. Perhaps we will become more and more aware that we're a small part of something very big. And yet, we have come to have an outsized impact on all other living things on our planet, yoked to Jesus by means of his cross. We are invited to dare trust in him for the wisdom to discern what we are to do in this urgent moment. So, that not only humans, but all living things will enter God's promised rest. Shalom. In the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.